Welcome to the Everything Eichler podcast brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. And today I am going to talk about a pretty cool product that I've been using a long time, and that's Montana Decoy. Um, Jerry McPherson started that out uh, with some incredible stuff. Um, still, he's there working and designing all kinds of cool things. Um, my main contact besides him is CJ Davis, who's the president over there at Montana Decoys. And, you know, those guys are all avid hunters, all avid outdoorsmen. So I have had so much fun um, hunting not only with decoys, uh, but also, you know, hunting with CJ, who's who's gotten to be a really good friend of mine. So I've got to share with you some cool decoy stories because decoys to me are one of those things. They, they're like a lot of things. They don't work all the time. So I want to get that out there right off the bat. But they work enough to where they have helped me take animals that I'm sure I wouldn't have taken without them. So that's enough for me. There are certain animals I've harvested or I know if I wouldn't have had the decoy, I would not have gotten them in bow range. So, or even rifle range where I was guiding clients. So to me, that's pretty, pretty cool. It's also neat decoying animals. So I'm going to tell you some cool stories. And, and you know, there's a lot of video out there. You can look up Fred Eichler YouTube and, and see a lot of these. Um, but first, I want to tell you some of the animals I've harvested thanks to the Montana elk decoys, uh, whitetail decoys, and stuff like that. So I'll start with the species I've harvested. And then I'll kind of go into more detail uh, my involvement with Montana Decoy, how I've helped them design some stuff, um, and some of the actual stories where I've used them and how I use them that hopefully that may help you if you're using a decoy in the future. So with Montana Elk Decoys, I've har harvested whitetail, harvested mule deer, harvested sicka blacktail deer, I've harvested oscillated turkeys, barren tur turkeys, Rio Grande turkeys, I've hunted Gould's turkeys with them, um, Eastern, literally all the species of turkeys I've harvested thanks to a Montana decoy. Um, antelope, sick of blacktail, um, as well as coyote. I may have said sick of blacktail already, but sick of blacktail deer and coyote. So that's a lot of species. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. That's 12 species if you include all the turkey species as well. So let me tell you about how I use a decoy. I guess I'll start with that. And then I'll start with my involvement with Montana decoy. So the very first time, and, and I wish I could say it was me, but the very first time that I even heard about a Montana decoy was working was when one of my guides, Jay Krause, who had been guided for me for years, um, and Jake ran a lot of camera for me over the years as well, but Jake had a Montana decoy in his pack. I didn't have one in my pack back then. I wasn't even carrying one. This is, oh, this is a long time ago. Um, over, probably over 15 years. But Jake had a Montana elk decoy with him in his pack. And I'll never forget the story. He was hunting elk with one of my clients because they both came back and told the same story, which is, you know, it's always good to double check. But they were cruising along this edge of this meadow and Jake said they went around the corner and just spooked a young bull. Like he said, Fred, it was just one of those things. I walked around the corner, bull was there. We didn't see it before he saw us. And and he took off running across the meadow. And he said, I thought, oh man, I got that decoy in my pack. So he dropped, had his client drop. He pulled out the Montana decoy and held it up. Didn't even put the stakes in it or anything, just held it up. 
and started a cow call. And he said, the bull's running across the meadow. When he cow calls, the bull kind of looks back over his shoulder, and the bull locks up, like, holy cow. And Jake said, you could almost see the elk going, I thought I saw people over there, but apparently there's an elk over there. So this elk turns and starts coming back to them. Now, this will be a really cool story if I could tell you that they harvested the elk. But truth is, they did not harvest the elk. He came back part of the way, didn't come back all the way, but Jake was blown away. So he came back and said, this Montana elk decoy blew, it, it, was, it was incredible. Like, it caused that elk, after seeing us, to stop and come back. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He said, it didn't come close enough for us to get a shot, but it was amazing, and I saw it interact with the decoy. It was really cool. So then I'm like, uh, I got to get a Montana elk decoy. So my experience with them was unbelievable. I, you know, elk are still like... I guess the only analogy I could use, elk to me are still like turkeys when turkey decoys first came out. So unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember when the very first, golly, that's scary. I can remember when the very first manufactured turkey decoy hit the market and it looked ridiculous. I mean, it didn't, it looked like a buzzard. I'll be honest. It was, it was, it looked more like a buzzard than a turkey, but you put that out in the woods and you made a hen turkey call. And if a gobbler saw it, he was going to run up to it. Well, now what's interesting is turkeys are educated. You show me a mature gobbler, especially on public land, that will come anywhere near a decoy. Unless it's like hand-painted, looks perfect, and the sun's not on it. Like really, those decoys anymore. And I'm, I'm exaggerating there a little bit, but it's it's amazing how educated, and if you've hunted turkeys a lot, you know exactly what I mean. Um, it's like ducks. Uh, you know, I'll relate it to ducks, another thing I use decoys for. Man, early in the season, it seems like, boy, the ducks are just dropping in. And then by the end of the season, decoys will flare them. Like, they'll see them, and they're like, oh, no, not going anywhere over there. Well, the great thing about hunting big game with decoys is, in my opinion, it's still in, in its infancy. Animals aren't educated to it yet. And the Montana elk decoy isn't just a decoy that looks kind of like an animal. It's an actual picture of a real deer, a real elk, a real antelope, a real turkey. It's not a, you know, it's, it's, it's not some artist's rendition, if you will. It is an actual photo of an animal. So I think that makes a big difference. But after Jake's crazy experience, I became addicted to decoys, and I always would have one in my pack. And don't get me wrong, there's certain times that it wouldn't work, but it worked enough to where I was like, and when it did work, it was awesome, to where I was like, oh, I, I, I'm using a decoy as much as I can because it is so great for positioning a deer, um, an elk, uh, you know, a coyote, a turkey, an antelope. It's so great for positioning them where you want them. And in the case of elk, for example, a lot of times elk, when they're coming in, will start to circle. You know, they, they know they should see another elk. They don't see another elk. They start to get suspicious. And I think a lot of times they get suspicious because they hear an elk call, but they don't see the elk. They're like, there should be an elk right there. Why don't I see it? So they start to circle to go downwind and, and see if they can confirm that it's an elk. With a decoy, what I've seen a lot of times is instead of circling, that elk will be like, oh, there's the decoy. Or, well, obviously it doesn't know it's a decoy. But there's the elk right there, and it walks straight into it. Path of least resistance, straight line. So I'm sure that I have lured animals in thanks to the decoy. And whitetails, the very first whitetail I did, that was in Illinois. 
And uh, I'll never forget that. It was, uh, it was during the rut. And again, my normal, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a big uh, whitetail. But I set it up right in front of my blind. It was an elevated blind. And I set it in front of me facing to where any whitetail that crossed this field could see it. And sure enough, whitetail came crossing across the field, looks over from a few hundred yards away, sees the decoy, and comes running up to the decoy turns to look at the decoy at about 20 yards and I smoke it with my recurve. So I was like, wow, they work for whitetails too. So then I started using them for turkeys and antelope. Uh, the elk was amazing. I probably had, uh, you know, the most success with, with elk just is, you know, I've used them for a lot of different species, sick of blacktail. I was hunting Kodiak Island one time. And here's the neat thing. If you go and look for a sick of blacktail, Montana, elk decoy you will not find one but they will make you one so what's really neat about montana decoy is like i was hunting nil guy in texas and i was talking about montana elk decoy and my my buddy was like well would they make me one i'm like yeah they'll custom make you all kinds of stuff so we called them and they custom made him a nil guy decoy when i went oscillated turkey hunting in mexico they didn't have an oscillated turkey decoy. They don't make a, they wouldn't sell enough to, to make any profit whatsoever. But when I called them and said, can you make me one? They said, you're darn right. Same thing with sickle blacktail. I went hunting in Alaska and I was hunting with my recurve and I'm like, man, I'd really love to decoy a deer to me instead of me trying to stalk the deer. So I want to take a Montana elk decoy with me. I was going close to the rut. So I called CJ, the president, and I said, hey, buddy, can you get me a, a sicka, you know, a sicka blacktail decoy? He's like, no problem. Fired off. I go out there. The very first sick of blacktail that we see is across the mountain. I pop up the decoy. It sees it. And my cameraman videos this deer coming from like half a mile all the way down the mountain, up the mountain. And that deer got like three yards from our decoy. And I shot it with my recurve. And my cameraman was like, I got to get one of those. Like that was unreal. I mean, it came right up to the decoy. So it was really it was just one of those deals that I'm like, this is, this is fascinating. This is really cool. It was what a neat way to harvest a, you know, a, a deer. So as I was harvesting animals and I was working with these guys, same with coyotes. I mean, coyotes, you, you, you blow a coyote call. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping off here on, on subject, but you know, coyotes are getting more wary and the more senses you can fool on an animal. So, you know, when we're calling, we're trying to fool their ears, right? Well, when an animal comes in and doesn't see anything, it starts to get suspicious. So, and when it can't smell anything, it smells like it's supposed to, they start to get suspicious. So I try and fool as many senses as I can. So for example, with a coyote decoy, what I do is multiple things. One, I have a call going. So I have electronic call, got the call going. So I've fooled their ears. I've got, I've got them either curious or hungry enough to come over and check it out. Then as they close and know they should be seeing something, I got the Montana elk decoy with a realistic tail. So then they see something that they're like, oh, that's not, that doesn't look kind of like a coyote. That is a picture of an actual coyote. That's a coyote right there. Here I come to run him out of my territory. So now I've got two senses fooled. As they get closer, I either use coyote or rabbit scent on the decoy. So if they close close enough, even if that scent only keeps them there for another second or two, a lot of times that gives me the opportunity to get the shot, 
or not. So I try and fool as many senses as I can. And I do the same thing with elk. I do the same thing with whitetail. When I'm using a whitetail decoy, I'll use some, uh, you know, dough and heat. Um, when I'm hunting elk, I'll use, you know, uh, cow elk urine or something that smells like a cow, even the wafers, whatever. But I want it to smell like what it's supposed to look like. So again, I can fool as many senses as possible. The biggest thing with decoys is the animals have to see them. So when it comes to setting up a, a decoy properly, I've told people this before. I, I've watched guys set up decoys and they put them in the thickest brush or they put it. And I'm like, I can't even see the decoy. The animal's definitely not going to see it. You want the animal to see the decoy. We've had the best success when an elk can see it a long ways off and go, oh, well, look at that. There's the elk right there and come in. So I prefer them to see it. I want them to see it. For whitetails cruising in the rut, they are prime. You put a decoy out there. My son this year had a decoy out. The video is incredible. This deer's just cruising along this brush line hundreds of yards away from him. It's walking and it looks and sees the friggin' decoy and literally turns and walks on a string doo -doo -doo, right to the decoy and he shoots it at like 22 yards. Wouldn't have gotten that buck if it wasn't for the decoy. It was a doe decoy, so of course he was coming over to check it out. Same thing with elk, same thing with coyote, same thing with antelope. A decoy can make such a huge difference in a hunt. A lot of people think, well, you know, okay, maybe archery. I use them for rifle all the time. And here's how I use the decoys for rifle. I use it as a confidence builder one. So elk, as they start to get pressured, they don't want to come out in the field. They're like, mm, I think I'm going to wait till dark to come out. But if they peek out or they look through the trees and see elk out in the meadow already, then they come out in the, they come out in the meadow. They're more comfortable. They're like, oh, other elk are out there feeding. It must be okay. So in those scenarios, sometimes late season, I've used as many as three elk decoys in the field at one time. Now, I'm not saying run out and buy yourself a whole herd of elk decoys, but I'm just saying there's times where I've used multiple decoys and it's really helped me out because it added more realism to the setup. This year during the rut, I think I'm going to try three antelope decoys. I want a buck to see like three does and, you know what I mean, or three different bucks that are, and see how he reacts. Like, oh, look at that. I'm going to run down in there. So I think it'll be kind of fun to play with that. Um other ways I use decoys, uh, the rut, of course, is the best time. Uh, wintertime works great, too. Again, what's animals have been pressured, and they just feel more comfortable hanging around with another deer. You know, you'll see, what does a deer do when it walks through a field? It interacts. It looks at the other one like, oh, well, look at you over there. And a lot of times they'll wander up, check it out. Think of a dog. Uh, you know, I've tried to explain it that way. You know, if you haven't spent a ton of time in the woods and watched animals interact with each other, you know, let, let your dog out and run around the park. And if he sees another dog, what does he do? Dun, 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 they usually run right to each other. Like, let's do, let's go check this guy out. Let me check this guy out. Animals are the same way. So I want them to see the decoys. Then I want to set the decoy up so the animal positions itself for a shot for me. And then um, I would be remiss if I didn't say you always have to consider safety when you have a decoy. Um, consider where the decoy is placed. Um, you don't want to put it in a position where it could be dangerous um, if another hunter sees it and, and fires at it or tries to sneak it up on it because they look so real. I have had that happen. So I tell guys in a lot of situations, you do not want to be right there next to the decoy. Don't want to do it because you don't want an arrow 
or bullet whizzing over there. So it all depends on you knowing where you're at, uh, you know, knowing what you can see, uh, you know, make sure that safety is your top concern uh, because you never, you know, there's no animal out there worth, uh, you know, worth, worth having a mistake over somebody getting hurt. Um, so another cool thing, I started hunting with CJ from Montana decoy, who is one heck of a shot. Um, he's almost as good as me. Um, and I say that jokingly because I'm sure CJ will listen to this one day and our last archery tournament, uh, we were both shooting recurves and I just barely beat him. Now I did beat him, although it was barely, but we were also on his, he had home court advantage. We were shooting in his backyard, which is a huge backyard because he lives out in the woods, which is pretty neat. But, uh, so I just had to throw that in there that CJ is a pretty dang good shot. Um, but you know, he's just, you know, he's, he's almost, he's almost to my level. He's right there. So I say that very tongue in cheek. Um, so I started working with CJ and he would ask me, Fred, what do you think? You know, you guide a lot of hunters. I know you use the decoys for your clients. You know, what can we do to improve things? What can we do to make things better? So I got to throw in my two cents and you know, I'm, uh, when it comes to hunting equipment, how many of us would love the opportunity to, to design stuff? Like, I wish I could get to a Ford engineer because there's some of those guys I'd like to throttle because it's like, hey, man, why did you put this here? Or why don't you make this a little tougher so it doesn't fall apart? You know, same thing with some other products. We had to take a starter out of a skid steer the other day. One of the guys that worked for me was like, this was not designed for anybody to ever work on it, ever. So what I like about CJ and his crew is they're like, hey, give us some ideas. And I'm like, heck, yeah, I'll give you some ideas. You know, I think... You know, this pose is better than this pose. I think this decoy is better than this decoy, and here's why. Let's get a decoy that looks like this. So I started having some input in helping design some decoys. So we designed one um, that, that we called the Eichler Elk. And I actually got some tips from some buddies of mine, um, uh, Randy Phillips, too, you know, who would used to, we used to talk about, you know, setting up quickly for elk. And with the elk decoy, the Montana elk decoys, they used to come with stakes that you would have to push in the ground. One of my buddies in Arizona, and I figured out it's pretty dang hard sometimes in the Rocky Mountains, code word there, Rocky Mountains, to try and push thin metal stakes into the ground. There's a lot of times you're just in places you just can't set it up. And I have been in that desperate situation where I got an elk bugling coming in, and I am desperately trying to set up my elk decoy, but the stakes won't go into the ground. So we came up with an alligator clip setup where you clip the alligator clips to the back of the elk and, you know, one on the head. And then all of a sudden you could just set it up anywhere. You could throw it on an aspen limb and just attach the alligator clip. You could find a, you know, cedar bush, a juniper, oak brush. You can set it up almost anywhere. I've literally, I've had it set up on rocks because I just draped it around a rock and held it with other rocks and propped the decoy up so it looked like it was standing. So that was a pretty cool feature that we added. But I was able to help design one that I told CJ, this is to me the perfect setup let's go with this so there's an eichler elk out there don't don't make fun of me i'm just telling you but there is an eichler elk uh that uh montana decoy sells as well as an eichler antelope so i helped design an antelope um it's a small buck that uh we didn't want it to be intimidating for other bucks we didn't want to look at it and go oh my gosh that's a giant i'm never gonna you know uh, i'm never gonna fight that thing we wanted it to be small enough to where it incited either curiosity or anger and a mature buck. And that's what we did. And I've had some great success with the antelope decoy. Not so much in the very beginning 
of antelope season because usually archery antelope season starts in August and the antelope aren't really running. But I've had some great success at the latter part of archery antelope season and the beginning of rifle elk season or rifle antelope season because that's when the antelope are rutting and they're chasing other bucks off and they're looking for does and they just lose their mind. Um, this past year, um, I used this prototype uh, Montana elk or Montana mule deer decoy. I had a client from Georgia and he wanted a little closer shot, but we had a big mule deer buck that was crossing a field and he was out there a long ways. I'm going to say 300, 400 yards, but it was peak of the rut. He was cruising, obviously looking for does. And I thought, I wonder how he'll react to a mule deer buck decoy. So we run out there, set up the mule deer decoy, and this buck sees it instantly, turns, and comes right to us to 60 yards. So this guy's blown away. Like, you know, it went from a what would have been a very difficult rifle shot long distance to a uh, literally a chip shot. Uh, the buck turned. He didn't want to shoot him straight on, but the buck turned. And I think when he finally shot, the buck was probably 90, hundred yards, something like that. But he cut that down from almost 400 because of the decoy came right at it, literally beelined to the decoy. And those are the kind of things that to me are just incredible. That's fun. You're seeing an animal react with a decoy. So I was very fortunate. The fact that I got to work with the guys at Montana decoy on helping tweak them. Other plus about Montana decoys, if you haven't seen them, they're fold up. They're, they're two dimensional. They're once, you know, they're, they're flat. I guess I should say they're, you know, just, you can look at it from one side or the other. If you look at it straight on from the head or from the back, it looks super, super skinny and you can't see anything because it's literally two dimensional. So because of that, it's super lightweight though. You just literally twist it and it, goes into a small circle depending on how big the decoy is i mean it could be as small as six inches or as big as 12 to 15 inches but twist into a pretty small circle you can stick it in your pack it weighs almost nothing i mean it's it's uh i should know the weight but it's super lightweight um you know and to be able to throw that in your pack and have it for in case you want it is pretty dang handy so in closing i'm gonna say if you get a chance check out a decoy for hunting. Um, I'm partial to Montana elk decoys because one, I had a little say in choosing and, and helping design some of them and threw in some ideas, but there's a lot of great decoys on the market. Um, if you've never hunted big game with a decoy, give it a try. Uh, make sure it's legal in the state you want to hunt, um, but give it a try because it can be a pretty exciting way to get a big game animal and really close. 